2: So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash show, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there.
3: Sitting in his lab, late at night, Rick receives a message from Deep Space. It's a distress call from Morty, which is weird since Morty is at home. Quickly deducing that this is a fake meant to draw him out, Rick takes a swig from his flask, gets into his space car anyways, arriving at the transmission source. It is then that a being appears seemingly out of thin air, as Kang the Conqueror makes himself known. Rick Sanchez, you are the last obstacle to my conquering of this universe. And so, you must die fight me. Rick hollers back, and there's no telling which universes will be standing at the end of this battle. It's Rama-Tut versus the smartest man in the universe. It's Immortus versus C-137. It's Kang the Conqueror versus Rick Sanchez. Today on Who Would
2: Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the roles of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Sticanus. Legion of Audience, we have what I predict will be a top 10 episode of the Who Would Win show. In one corner, you have Rick Sanchez, a super genius who is a super alcoholic who has managed to survive against a multiverse trying to kill him versus Kang, the conquering villain of the Marvel Universe, who may be the ultimate villain for Phase 5 and 6 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And this matchup has been discussed a few times... But surprisingly, not lately. This is kind of weird. It was a few years ago, last time that I saw an an instance of this matchup being discussed. And that's weird, despite the MCU's recent focus on Kang, you'd think there'd be a whole lot of people talking about it right now, but not really. So, Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup?
3: I am always fired up for a great matchup. This might be the highlight matchup of all of Season 5, and we're only in March So that's good to know that we're peaking early, but Rick Sanchez has been on the show before and I have repped Rick Sanchez on the show before and I've gotten a victory with Rick Sanchez before. He is a fantastic character. And one that uh, will go down in history as one of the greatest characters of all time. I'll just go ahead and say it. And you got Kang the Conqueror. Look, everybody at home. Y'all knew we were going to do Kang sometime near when the big Kang movie came out. So here's your chance. I got to learn a little bit about the Kang the Conqueror character through this matchup and studying for it. And he's real weird. There is some real weird stuff. This is going to be a real weird episode of the show. And I, for one, am here for it.
2: Listen, last time Rick Sanchez was on the Who Would Win show, he did get the win, but under very dubious circumstances. Check out that episode, Legion of Audience, if you want to see what I'm talking about. But, Ray, I've actually been seeing a lot of stuff online about people talking about you know, how much they love you know Rick and Morty, how much they love Kang. And, you know, our, our fan base is really interactive, and they let us know how they feel about these episodes and what have you. And this got me thinking about something that happened in the past. I want to kind of bring this up as a question to everybody. Here's the deal. If you're a big fan of a certain, I don't know, cartoon, animated series, movie, franchise, TV franchise, game, whatever it is, you spend money on it, you spend your you know, free time playing or watching, what have you, and all of a sudden you realize it's not good. And if you have a chance to talk to the person who is directly responsible for creating it in some way, shape, or form, do you have the right, respectfully, to tell them how you feel about it, especially if you don't like it? Boy, this sounds like it comes from real life, James,
3: if I'm going to go ahead and say that. It sounds like this is a thing you've been guilty of. And let me tell you, when I first moved to Los Angeles many years ago and I first got to know people who make things, like the actual people who actually make things and you're not just some person at home enjoying things in the Midwest. Boy, what a difference that makes. You cannot bring that internet attitude with you when you're actually talking to the real people who really make the stuff because everyone in this town is brilliant in one way or another. And nobody likes hearing that their work sucks. Let me tell you that from personal experience. I burned many a bridge back in the day by just speaking my mind and saying something was bad because I thought it was bad. I was a little edgy like that back in the day. And then all of a sudden, the person you're talking to was the actual scriptwriter for the thing that you hated so much that you just spent 10 minutes tearing apart. Doesn't help you make friends or get jobs in this town. So I would say, keep it on the internet, kids. Keep it away from the people who actually make it because one, they don't care to hear it. And two, they know if they did something that's not up to par, they don't need some rando telling them that this is the case.
2: You know what's really odd about this, Ray, is um, for about the five billionth time, I 100% completely disagree with you. What? Yes, absolutely. Look, if you spend money and years following some series, you're a Star Wars fan or something, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you see Ryan Johnson just sitting there having some coffee, and you've gone to the cons, you've done cosplay, (laughs) you've bought everything, you've, you know, killed friendships and Relationships because of your how much you love the fans, the, the the content and you have a chance to go up to them and kind of really tear into them, Hell yes, you take that opportunity to do it. With that being said, you should always do it respectfully and be very careful. You know that you don't burn a bridge unless you want to absolutely destroy that bridge. In that case, you should do it. No. Look, I'm not even sure where I'm going with this. No, I'll I tell may you where have you're had... going
3: with this, and I'm going to tell the people at home right now. If you have been in on day one on, on a person who may, is a creator, right, of any kind, we're talking about a, you know, a content creator for the internet or a movie or TV or even a podcaster, say, and you've been there day one, you've listened to every single episode three times, you've bought all of the merch, you've gone on the theme park ride when it came out, and you bought every single property and put all that hard work, time, and money into it, what the creator owes you at the end of the day... Is absolutely nothing. You got your money's worth for the entertainment value alone.
2: Let Ryan Johnson drink his coffee in peace. Hell to the no. That's all I'm gonna say about that. But you know what? Listen, we need to actually get the opinion of an actual, what I call ultimate content creator. Maybe someone who's an author. I don't know. Someone who's done audio dramas. I don't know if we can find that person. But with that being said, let's kind of see what our judge has to say about all of this. So making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's author. Wow. Content creator. Interesting. And producer. It's fan favorite judge. You know who it is. It's Crystal Storm. Crystal, welcome back to Who Would Win.
4: What's up, fellas? And uh, let me just give a shout out to the uh, Legion of Audience for voting me favorite judge of the year last year. You guys made the right choice. And I love and appreciate you all.
2: You know what? No one debates that, by the way. Everyone's like, you know, out of all the awards given out, everyone agrees. You know, that was the right one. Okay, now, listen, Crystal, before we kind of get into this big question about how you address a content creator and what have you, Mm -hmm. tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to.
4: Oh, my gosh. So much stuff. So Legion of Audience, definitely go and check out the Tales Fiction Network. We have a new show dropping on Thursday. Headphones in. It's not safe for work. And then we have a much more wholesome, family-friendly show dropping the following Tuesday. So we're very excited to share these shows with you. I've been writing, directing, producing, doing all the stuff that James talks about. So uh, we're, we're stoked. We're totally, totally stoked to be telling more stories for you guys and to be here so I can uh, hang out with the guys because I love the guys.
2: Well, it, it, the feelings mutual, by the way. So, all <laughs> right, I love it. Listen, this is what the show is all about. So let's get into it. We've got an amazing show. We've got an amazing judge. We've got amazing characters. This is going to be incredible. So with all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup.
3: Representing Marvel Comics, the supervillain who wanted to be a great chef, but he couldn't find the time, Kang the Conqueror, and representing Adult Swim, the scientist who already got one dub on this show, so this time I guess he's looking for a
2: wubba lubba dub dub, Rick Sanchez. Wow. Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Okay, Ray. I think there are quite a few different versions of uh, Rick Sanchez. What version are you using today?
3: As much as I probably believe that Rick Sanchez is much like uh, Unicron and he's a singularity across all universes, I'm going to go ahead and stick with the TV
2: show version of Rick Sanchez to give you a 1% chance in this battle. I will see how that plays out. You know, listen, I've got so many great options with Kang. He's been in animation. He's been... You know, uh, in video games, he's actually been portrayed perfectly by Charlie the Majors, I think. But I have no choice. Again, such an epic opponent, I gotta go with the most powerful version. So I'm using the Marvel 616 version, the current comic book version of Kang the Conqueror. All right, rule number four debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity feats. From non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we give them less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides, has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we go on, this year in season five of the Who Would Win show, we've been encouraging our fan base, the Legion of Audience, to use the hashtag... And before we go on, this year in season five of the Who Would Win show, we've been encouraging our fan base, the legion of audience, to use the hashtag WWW Fantasy to keep up with our very own Who Would Win Fantasy League. Here with an update on the current standings is our very own Robert Clark Chan.
5: Hey everybody, I'm the the second favorite judge of last year. Second, third, how far? How how high? Top fifty. Great. How at high? Least. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what? I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. Any. Port in a storm. Uh, We have been doing this fantasy league for two months now. I've been tabulating, keeping track of the scores, and it is tight. There's a lot of action going on. If you want to get into it, starting Monday morning, hashtag WWW fantasy, and uh, tell us who's going to win the match. The top four contestants as it sits now. We are in week eight in fourth place Lord Snurts Josh is coming in there hot Gunnar Lahoffer. he's at get metal on Twitter he is in third place Sir Moxford you know I'm on Twitter at blue shirt and jacket is in second place did I mention uh, Lord Snurts is on Twitter as well Lord Snurts is on Twitter as well And the number one fantasy combatant as of this moment in week eight, combining all of the wins and all of the tiebreakers, Tyler Morton. Tyler Morton is in first place with an 80% victory rate. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's less than
2: me this season. Slightly more more than me, too. A lot more. A
5: lot more. Slightly.
2: Interesting. All right, you heard it, Legion of Audience. Uh, make your picks when we announce the matchups and see where you will end up at the end of the season. Will you actually be the winner of the WWE fantasy WWE the WWF fantasy league? We'll see but what happens. Win. What do they if win? They-
4: Are we going to dollar store to get them something if they win?
5: We're going to the two dollar store. We're gonna break oh, the bank. Yeah. We're gonna Let's make th- it rain. Fake oh. dollar bills from the dollar store. Dollar, dollar
3: bills. You guys, I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there right now. This show budget's gone up a little bit in season five. We can afford to go to five below.
5: Oh! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa!
2: What? Wait a right. minute, Why am I yeah. not getting? <sighs>
4: I'm facetiming with everybody. We're going to five below to do this. It's gonna be great. Can't wait.
2: And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who would Win a, Who would Win show, a five- star rating, because why not? And a fantastic written review wherever you listen to podcasts..
3: We have a new sponsor for Who would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and of course, save the universe. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check.
2: And now let's get the tail of tape for both of our commands. Ray, please give us the details for Rick Sanchez.
3: Richard Daniel Sanchez is a dimension-hopping genius scientist who tries to keep attachment to his family. He was created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon and first appeared in the pilot episode of Rick and Morty called Pilot back in 2013. Originally conceived as a result of a Channel 101 short film festival where Royland created a not-safe-for-work-back-to-the-future cartoon parody, the duo teamed up to take the ideas behind the project and turned it into Rick and Morty. What followed was some of the most hilarious, brilliant science fiction of this generation, ultimately misunderstood by a wave of young men who boiled it all down to just shouting I'm Pickle Rick over and over again. Rick has made a custom portal gun that he uses to jump between different dimensions of reality and has bizarre adventures with members of his own family. Fun fact, it doesn't take a long time to make something great. You see, right after selling Rick and Morty to Adult Swim, the creative duo behind the show realized that due to their other obligations, well, the show community, basically, it might take an aggressively long time to actually write this pilot, and the spark may be lost by them. So they sat down that day to hammer it all out, which took all of six hours to go from nothing to completion. Remember that next time you think the
2: process needs to be hard. Me. And that is Rick Sanchez. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, here are the details for Kang. Kang the Conqueror was created by the prolific comic book writer Stan Lee and artist Jack Kirby. He first appeared in The Avengers No. 8, which was published in September of 1964. Kang the Conqueror is one of the most iconic and formidable villains in the Marvel Comics universe. He was first introduced as a time-traveling warlord who had conquered many worlds and dimensions. Kang's true identity was later revealed to be that of Nathaniel Richards, a descendant of Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. Nathaniel becomes fascinated with the idea of time travel and uses his vast intellect and technology to explore the time stream, eventually taking on the moniker of Kang. Kang is known for his incredible intellect, advanced technology, and ability to manipulate time and reality to his advantage. He's been a major adversary to many Marvel superheroes over the years, including the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. Despite his incredible power and intelligence, Kang's motivations are often driven by desire for power and control, making him a complex and fascinating villain in the Marvel Universe. And here's an interesting fact about Kang. Did you know that Kang may be responsible for all of the Marvel and DC crossovers over the years? It's true. Kind of. So Avengers writer Roy Thomas and Justice League of America writer Daniel O'Neill at the time created a sort of unofficial crossover in 1969. In a Kang story appearing in Avengers number 69, Kang was battling the Grandmaster who is an elder of the universe in Marvel. Kang's champions were the Avengers, while the Grandmaster had chosen a supervillain team to battle them. The team was called the Squadron Sinister, which was clearly a tribute to the Justice League of America. The four villains in the group, Hyperion, Nighthawk, Doctor Spectrum, and the Wizard, what a great name, Mimic the DC characters Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. So did this start the Marvel and DC crossover events to happen over the next four decades? Actually, I think it did. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Crystal, do you have any questions before we get started?
4: I do not. Uh, This is exciting. The Legion of Audience was super animated about this matchup, so uh, I'm ready to see what you guys bring to the table with these two, because they seem to be very evenly matched. So I expect your A game, as always.
2: You know, I'm just wondering if the wizard was uh, well thought out as a name for a not really. super character. Mm-mm, not really. Did no. that mean something different in 1969 than today?
3: Somebody Ray, you know Google it. Let us
2: know. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, just don't I mean, know. I think
3: that was another name for like a joy buzzer or something. But like, let's face facts. It probably wasn't
4: great back then either. <laughs> <laughs> when you say joy buzzer, you and I have. You know what? I'm. You know, it's a family friendly show. Let's just go. Let's just okay.
2: Let's just uh. Let's keep going. I have no idea what either one of you mean. (laughs) All right, Ray, please proceed with your first point.
3: Point number one for Rick Sanchez. We're just going to talk about a few of his gadgets, kind of the most pronounced ones that he uses on the show. Rick and Morty is a show that's now around six seasons. I believe IMDb had it listed as 61 episodes, uh, but I believe it's just 10 per season and the 61st is the unreleased season. It doesn't really matter. He's been in a lot of stuff and has many adventures. So at the end of the day... There's gonna be people out there that say, oh, you forgot about A, B, and C. Yo, I only have like 10 minutes total to talk about this stuff. You're gonna have to let some things go. Anyway, I just wasted 30 seconds telling you that. The portal gun is the first thing I wanna talk about here because this is his number one thing. It's always on him at all times. It's just there in his coat. He pulls it out in like half a second and can use it however he wants to. He uses it in many different and interesting ways. Nominally, the portal gun allows him to travel across dimensions. So he can create a portal in one place, a portal in the place that he wants to go. Somehow he just knows, and he just travels across multidimensional rifts that way very, very easily. It allows him to go across long distances to different dimensions if he wants to. And it allows for a whole lot of fun plots. He's used the portal gun in many effective ways, though. He escaped being chased by multiple versions of himself, So this is a guy who fights himself fairly regularly. He just went into a world, he had a slight head start, created six portals, went through one of the portals, and then the rest of him just sat there not wanting to go through the wrong portal. So they just sort of sat there bamboozled as more versions of himself showed up and he was able to get out of that. He uses it to escape a jam whenever he needs to. If he's really in cosmic danger of some kind, he has absolutely no problem popping open a portal, getting out of the death trap or whatever that he's in, and then popping himself back in wherever the heck he needs to, whenever the heck he wants to. He once went to the future using his portal gun, due to a future version of the universe, to find the solution that he was looking for when Morty, I believe, got sick, and he needed to find the cure. So he just went to the future version in a different multiverse where the future is going on, and he found the solution he needed and brought it back to his own time. This is a guy who thinks outside the bun, as Taco Bell would say. Now, he uses portals creatively. He uses portals, and he once cut a truck in half with one and then dropped it on somebody's head. He also will use it to, uh, in conjunction with his other weapon and use it for laser blasts and create portals like right next to somebody's head, just pull the trigger and boom, that person's dead. There's really hard to get away from a shot like that. And not only that, the portal gun has a self-destruct button that will kill the person who tries to use it if that person is not Rick. So if Kang actually managed to disarm him somehow and tried to use the weapon, Rick will win. The other weapon to talk about is laser gun. This is a very effective laser gun. Shoots holes in people, their heads, their chests, through uh, uh, objects, through buildings. It doesn't matter. He's also very good aim. You'll notice on the show, it's kill shot, kill shot, kill shot. He pretty much never misses with the laser gun and it's, Almost always a death shot when he does it. He once used it to reduce an alien to ashes because he could adjust how powerful it is. He once set it to stun and used it to KO Morty. He also has like a ton of other laser guns. He used a laser gun at one point. He shot Jerry's leg after it was broken to just heal it. A healing gun. He has a gun that put Morty in a bubble and took him home that he couldn't escape from. He has a gun that allows for something to be made lighter or heavier than air and made uh, Jerry's boots become like moon boots that he could jump around with and he's used it to freeze people in place. At the end of this day, he has too many guns at his disposal for a character like Kang to possess any chance and be any threat whatsoever. That's
2: my point number one. Interesting uh, facts for point number one. And I got to push back on a couple. And first of all, the portal gun that Rick uses is great. But you'll notice it has that little vial of green stuff at the top of it. Whatever that liquid is, that name fails me right now. But he runs out of that. It uses that up. It's like a Tesla, Tesla battery with a car. It has a 300-mile range, whatever. Well, this thing has only so many uses before he runs out of that vial. Can he get more? Yes, if he can somehow get back to his garage, which I believe is where he keeps it. So it's limited in terms of the total times you can use it. He is great at using it, though. That I do have to admit. Also, Ray, he doesn't actually travel through time. You told, you said it yourself. He traveled to a dimension that was ahead of ours in terms of a timeline, but he didn't travel forward in time. This is something he can do with his portal gun. He can teleport really well. He can also go to different dimensions. But he is not a time traveler. we got to make this very, very clear. And finally, yeah, his stuff works really, really well against people who don't, you know, have shields or ability, any advanced knowledge or any type of advanced tech to really deal with it. When he gets someone who's he's kind of superior in terms of overall intellect and technical capability, yeah, he does great. But when he goes up against people who can match him some way, shape or form, the results are not so good for him. So let me get to my point number one for Kang. Let's talk about Kang's tech and his capabilities. So how advanced is Kang's tech compared to the rest of the Marvel universe? Interesting question. To put it bluntly, both Doctor Doom and Mr. Fantastic, some of the top minds in Marvel Universe, has said that they are envious of Kang's tech. Okay, let's go over this a little bit. He's got his battle armor, which looks really kind of Shakespearean almost, but kind of cool. So this battle armor is produced kind of from a rare uh, alloy from the 40th century. It's neurokinetic. And all that means is it responds to whatever Kang is thinking subconsciously, whatever's going through his head. Now, compare that to Rick. who usually has to take a few seconds to pull something out or jerry-rig something. You know, this, whatever Kang's going to do with his battle armor, it's going to happen right away because it's just subconscious thought. So with a battle armor, he's got enhanced strength. Now, if you want to talk about how strong he is, he can somewhat fight evenly with Thor for a while. That is insane. Thor, one of the most powerful fighters and combatants in Marvel Universe, and he can keep up with him. He's got great durability. Now, this armor uh, is super strong in its own, but it's got a built-in force field that extends two feet away from his body and outward to at least twenty feet in all directions. If he wants, it can withstand a nuclear strike at point-blank range. Also, when Thor throws Mjolnir at it, you know, from very close by or from a distance, it just bounces off the shield, and Kang is absolutely fine inside. That's really cool. He's got an anti-gravity device, which you know allows him to render objects absolutely weightless, which is kind of cool float up in the air uh, he's got time travel devices look this is what he does so kang's armor can create what he calls temporal divergencies giving the ability to travel through and manipulate time Much more on this later. All right, he can shoot concussive bolts of energy from his fingertips, from his fists, you know, from different parts of his body, and these blasts have the force of several tons of dynamite. He's got that electric shock that's activated, so if anyone comes in close contact with his body, they get hit with an insane electric shock, takes out super powerful beings. He's got body transference. So until recently, Kang employed nanotechnology in in the surgery of his helmet that allowed him to transfer his mind into a new body at the moment of death. That's just a fun fact. I don't actually think he's going to be using that at all in this fight, but just a fun thing to do. Of course, he's out weaponry. And what's interesting is I don't like Rick, Kang can summon any of his weapons instantly to his hands, his body, whatever, because they are transported to him through the time stream. Okay, so anything he's ever used from anywhere, he's got it. So Kang's weapons, he's got antimatter defense screen generations, uh, a generator of vibration ray projector, electromagnetic field, like just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, let me get into some specifics. He's got a gadget in his suit that can send projectiles into subspace. I think that's like they, sh- they shrink or whatever. He can produce an antimatter shield that disintegrates Any matter it touches. That's fun. He's got a a glove that somehow made Thor weigh half a planet. So Thor all of a sudden touches him. He touches Thor with that glove. Thor hits the ground because he weighs half as much as the Earth. Why the Earth didn't get destroyed, I don't know, but it's just a thing. He can cloak himself with some type of cloaking capability that even the Silver Surfer couldn't detect him using the, his cosmic awareness and his cosmic senses. That's actually really cool. Kang can summon powerful laser rifles from his armory with a mere flick of his finger. And these guns are strong enough to one-shot Iron Man, Jessica Jones, Captain America. He can send people through time removing them from the fight. He can shapeshift. He can accelerate the aging of things around him. He can churn buildings Objects and even people into dust by just aging them super fast. He's even got a cosmic cube, which acts like the infinity stones, allows Kang to alter reality any way he wants. He has missiles that can travel through dimensions to hit their target. He can travel through dimensions going from one to the other super easily. He can teleport really quickly from one spot to another. Everything Rick can do, he can do as well. He's a genius. He's a superhuman genius by even Marvel standards. He can fight super well. He took on Captain America without outside of his armor because evidently in the 40th century, humans have evolved, so now the baseline human is Captain America level the speed, durability, blah, 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 all that kind of good stuff. He's, let's see, shielded from telepathy. He's one of the greatest military geniuses the universe ever has ever known. He's, you know, absolutely an insane inventor. Look, this guy's insane. Anything Rick can do... Can can do way better. All of that is my point number one.
3: I mean, fine. Kang the Conqueror is a very exciting Marvel villain. He's been going for, as you said before, decades at this point, and he's been a constant threat. Now, can, I think a real superpower would be making sense of any of these Kang storylines in comics, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. You said a couple of things I gotta talk about here. When has Rick ever succeeded in facing somebody on his level? I don't know, James. Maybe when he opposed the entire Council of Ricks, which Rick Sanchez is from across the multiverse who teamed up together to try to defeat him and it still did not happen. What are you even talking about? I would like to say an army of Rick Sanchez's is pretty much on par uh, with, with Rick Sanchez. What the heck? And Kang is a guy who often goes into time embeds himself into a timeline and then just starts trying to conquer it and fight people from there you don't see him using a ton not that he's never done it you don't see him using a ton of time travel gimmickry in a lot of these storylines it's more of he sets everything in motion ahead of time shows up and then tries to just take everybody out at that point so given those two things i have more i want to say but i'm going to save it for my
2: later counters when they'll have a little bit more power Interesting stuff, and again, you know, these are two opponents that are just absolute geniuses and have a ton of feats in battle and what have you. I'm loving this battle so far. All right, Crystal the Storm, that's your middle name, of course. Mm-hmm. You've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this matchup?
4: Um, Right now, it sounds like Kang's a little bit OP in compared to Rick. So I really want to hear a lot more about Rick and what he can do. Um, that's, that's kind of where my head's at this. I mean, Rick sounds like a guy who's pretty smart. Um, he's got some cool tech, uh, but it, James presented Kang is as, uh, as pretty formidable. So, uh, I'm going to have to hear a lot more about how Rick's going to handle this guy.
2: Interesting. Okay. There's a reason why Crystal was voted judge of the year. And I think she's showing that right now. I'm not trying to suck up. That's just what I do. All right. R- Ray. I was going to Let's say, check, Rick.
4: James, where's my check?
2: It's, it's coming soon. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point. Number two. Point number two
3: for Rick Sanchez. I want to talk about some more of his gadgets because this is the thing. Rick often has devices that get him out of jams pretty easily. Now, if it's not the portal gun, if it's not his array of laser guns, he solves problems usually within one second with a gadget that he just happens to have on him at that given time. Incredible. Here's some more other things that Rick brings to the table. I mean, I haven't heard a lot about how Kang's actually going to defeat somebody as smart as Rick, Up to this point, you might say he has a laser that shoots into subspace. Is that really going to defeat Rick Sanchez? I don't think that it is, but let's talk about Rick's spaceship. He travels around town with his wonderfully beater-looking spaceship that is shockingly powerful. It is durable. This is a spaceship that crashes through walls, crashes through other ships, crashes through basically anything, and keeps on going. This is a ship that tanked a hit from a laser that was capable of busting moons and asteroids, full-on hit his ship, not a problem, it pulled through. One of James's favorite Superman feats is when Superman, remember when he had the green lantern chains and he pulled the earth? Well, what if I told you that Rick Sanchez's ship actually threw a cable around the Earth and pulled the entire Earth so it has the 800 uh, octillion uh, pounds or whatever the heck that James always is talking about, right? It has Superman-level strength, and that's not something Kang's going to be able to work with. It's also maneuverable. It can go up, down, any direction. It can basically go anywhere at any speed as well. And it's fast. I said it was fast. It, it outraced an exploding ship that it was nearby. It outraced an explosion in space. Ridiculous. Tons and tons of lasers. We already know what Rick Sanchez can do with his lasers, except this has smart guns. We saw him in an episode call upon the smart guns to only kill certain targets in front of him and leave everybody else, all the humans, uh, fully uh, alive. So what happens? He's just going to get his ship. He's just going to park near where Kang is and say, smart lasers, kill Kang, and Kang will be dead. Kang will be blown away. And let's not forget this ship has a very powerful AI as well. It's got a scanner on it that recognized one of the police officers that was pulling his gun on him used his capabilities to reveal that that character, the cop had a dead son and it made a synthoid. If you know GI Joe created a clone of the sun that melted into goo like the synthoids do on GI Joe. And it scanned a snake planet from orbit to determine the snake beings on there to create an anti-venom for the snake venom of the people who lived on the planet. This AI can create anything, can do anything, but let's talk about his wristwatch. He has a force field on the wristwatch that will block anything that's about to attack him. Of course, the wristwatch has a laser beam that can cut people in half. Nine people in the Oval Office of the White House had shots on him with actual guns, and he just set up Nine targets pressed one button. nine different reflector shields popped up. So when they pulled the trigger, all nine of the targets were dead. All nine of the people who shot killed themselves. Ridiculous. He can create holographic copies of himself to confuse people. He can turn if his wristwatch can give him a power suit that shoots laser beams out of his eyes. And let's talk about his other enhancements. Kang at the end of the day is a regular human being rocked in tech. Rick has had cybernetic enhancements all throughout his entire body, making him a cyborg, basically. He has a nanofiber defense mesh, which allowed him to do what Kang did. It would shock somebody who had a chokehold on him and knock that person backwards. But he could do worse than that. He could just make it so that it just kills the person. A person walked up and touched him, and he advised them not to, and they just died. Just straight up died on the spot. Life went away from their body. What is Kang going to do against somebody who could do all of this? He turned his arm into a weapon-stealing arm, and it just reached out and yanked out somebody's weapon from their hands because his arm is fully cybernetic. He was attacked by Bird Person who had a drill, and his he... Immediately as an automatic defense, a metal chamber was created around his heart that blocked the drill from hurting him and he could, it turns into a gas mask. So that's not even going to work. And beyond everything, he can use his portal gun to go back to his garage as James mentioned earlier, because it's full of all the gear that he needs. So if he notices that his portal gun, James is starting to get low on battery life, he'll just pop back to his garage for five seconds and grab another one. Nothing that Kang can do can stop somebody with this ridiculous arsenal of plot-busting devices. And that's my point number two. Look, uh,
2: you know, everything you're describing, Ray, is just what makes me love watching Rick and Morty, right? But the, the unfortunate fact is that the ship, this really cool ship that looks really junky, this ship breaks down quite a bit we we see it crash through a planet's like you know rocky surface and all of a sudden smoke starts coming from it i appreciate the power output it might have but it, it's kind of like you know my buddy's old car that you know once it gets going can pull like big objects or whatever but man if you touch it the wrong way all of a sudden smoke comes out the carburetor breaks down this thing is riddled with horrible horrible problems i really like the fact that you described the ship as being so maneuverable by the way that it can go both up and down which I feel is a great thing for a ship to be able to do. So kudos to Rick on that design. And on top of that, the AI of the ship, which I find really fun to watch and what have you, especially in today's environment where AI is just kind of doing going nuts, the AI often gets things wrong or misinterprets things. You even brought that up yourself, Ray. And finally, you know, here's the fun thing. Kang hacks stuff. Remember, his tech is from the 40th century. It's considered advanced for the 40th century. And one of the main opponents he deals with on a daily on a basis, two of them, Doctor Doom and Iron Man, two people with insanely advanced, tech and Reed Richards and him hacking their tech taking control and absolutely rendering their tech non-effective that's something he's done a whole lot I'll bet you their tech is at least on par with that of Rick Sanchez so let me get to my point number two for uh let me get to my point number two for Kang and point number two let's talk about Kang's big feats and even bigger wins let's actually start with his wins because in no particular order let's talk about who Kang has killed again Kang has killed these people, not just defeated, but actually killed the following list of people in one-on-one fights. You might want to grab a sandwich for this because this list is kind of long. So he has killed one-on-one Captain America, Dr. Octopus, Iron Man, Wolverine, Ant-Man, Magneto, Ultron, Thor, Dr. Doom, Silver Surfer, the Juggernaut, Wonder Man, Spider-Man, Rogue and Beast from the X-Men, Mr. Fantastic, Cyclops, also from the X-Men, Hulk, Ghost Rider, Dr. Strange, Vision, Fin Fang Foom. I just like saying that. That's a mystical dragon who's one of the most powerful supernatural beings in the universe. He beat Maestro, who is the uh, future version of the Hulk. That's the one where he's bald, but has his cool, big, huge white beard, and he's super smart. He's beaten Hyperion, She-Hulk, and Black Bolt, and I hate to say it. I really hate seeing this one. He's even beaten... Black Panther, as in killed Black Panther, that entire list of people, that's who he's killed one-on-one because that's how great he is. Now, put that in perspective. He's physically fought and killed the greatest super geniuses, the greatest users of magic, and some of the most powerful beings, literally powerful beings in the Marvel Universe. He's also defeated the Avengers a lot. He's also defeated the Fantastic Four. Now, in terms of beats... He's conquered every world and spacefaring empire within 100 light years of the Earth. He actually came back in time and conquered the current Marvel 616 Earth where the powers that be had to sign an official document declaring their surrender. That is crazy. Oh, and he's killed the Council of Kangs. You know, just like the Council Council of Ricks, except for one difference, this version of Kang killed every alternate version of himself from every dimension and timeline. Ricks never come close to doing that. In fact, we constantly see other versions of Rick Coming after him, where at best Rick maybe kills a few of them, but then manages to escape. Look, compare that to Kang. What's he do? He takes them all out because that's what he does. And on top of that, Rick has a huge problem with time travelers. I'll get into this more in my point number number three. The way Rick tried to overcome the time traveler known as, I'm hoping to pronounce this properly, is a character known as Schleamy Pants, which is a cool name for a time traveler. This is, uh, Slimy Pants was this, Omniscient and immortal time cop type of thing, and Rick tried to deal with them by creating these overlapping timelines where Slimy Pants wasn't aware of the other timelines happening. Now this won't work on Kang because he's aware of all timelines at the same time and can exist in all of them while fully knowing what's happening in each one. This is crazy. Kang's mastered pim particles. You know he can use them to shrink himself or to grow. In fact. He can summon robots that use pin particles to grow bigger and stronger whenever they are hit thanks to kinetic energy. He's just crazy like that. He's got huge armies at his disposal that he can instantly summon at any time, literally. Fun fact, he's even banished demons that were summoned by Merlin to fight Kang, and he's, he banished them like it was nothing. How did he do it? I don't know. He just did. Kang became the dominant power of a million worlds in the 41st century. Because why be in the 40th century when you can go to the 41st and just be the dominant power of a million worlds? That's awesome. Look, when it comes to big feats and big wins, Rick is good, but Kang is much better. And just one last thing. Let's talk about Kang's small, you know, little ship that he has. Uh, It's a sword-shaped ship called Damocles. It is massive. Think of a ship that's much, much bigger than the biggest Star Destroyer in Star Wars ever was, except... It's way more powerful. It's got a massive, super powerful army on board, plus all the time-traveling, dimension-traveling capabilities of Kang, plus a massive arsenal of fighter ships, advanced tech from the 40th century, force fields, enough potfire power to easily destroy a planet. Oh, and Kang can summon Damocles from any timeline he wants. So if one gets destroyed somehow while they're fighting right here, he'll just bring in another one from a different timeline with a small signal because that's what he does. All of that is my point number two.
3: You know, James, much like the Caddyshack 2 movie collection on DVD, I'm just not buying it. You're saying a lot of silliness right now You know, you say, oh, he's defeated all of these Killed all of these characters. It's funny because I still See all these characters in comic books, James Isn't comics a funny thing It's almost like killing somebody in a comic book Means absolutely nothing At all. And this is an aspect Of Kang that we're going to have to get into a little bit Here. Because Kang is able to Defeat people like the Avengers, per se Because he knows who they are Massive amounts of prior knowledge Walking into that battle. And he not only Knows who these people are, he knows where they're going to be and what they're going to do at the time when it happens. You ever see the movie Groundhog Day? Bill Murray knew exactly how that entire world worked to the point where he could rob an armored truck, save a kid, learn piano. He can do absolutely everything. Do we think he's some sort of interdimensional super being? I don't think so. He just knows about things with prior knowledge, but he's not going to have that with Rick. Rick exists in an alternate timeline that, that Kang would frankly have no knowledge of. So how is this advantage that Kang brings to the table in all of his Marvel fights going to work against somebody who he does not know. The answer is it's not going to. And let's not forget Rick. He defeated a character named the World Ender, which is Rick and Morty's version of uh, Thanos with the Infinity Stones. He had a whole thing with his superhero group. And then Rick got drunk the night before the battle and just murdered World Ender, murdered his entire army, and then blacked out and forgot that he did it the next day. This guy destroys people. But you know who doesn't destroy people? Kang the Conqueror. As great as you say he is, finding a list of times he's been defeated in comics, they had to narrow it down to just the top, like, 15 times that Kang has been defeated. He's been killed by a lot of low-level characters. I'll just give you a hint. The Black Knight, a guy with a sword, guy with a sword just straight out took out Kang the Conqueror with, I believe, none to minimal superpowers. A guy with a sword took him out. When has Rick been defeated like that? I'm still waiting after six seasons. There's no list of
2: top 15 times Rick was defeated because it doesn't happen. Wow. Okay. I, I For someone who knows so much about Rick Sanchez... It's like you don't know enough about Rick Sanchez with that last statement you just made. But this will all come to light because we are now at the turning point We're after hearing two points from me and myself, Crystal tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Crystal has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today?
3: Today, we are going to uh, go to the uh, well again. For somebody who's been there a lot, he's been mentioned on the show before, but hasn't gotten a rep on the show in a little
2: while. We're going to go with the one and only Lord Snurts. Ooh, Lord Snertz. You need someone special as an opponent for Lord Snertz. Okay, okay. Let's have him go against my favorite Power Ranger. I am, of course, talking about the OG, the original Black Power Ranger. Okay, so the Pink Ranger. Oh, wait, you, didn't, you, you said the
3: best one. You're talking about the Black Power Okay, fine. Well, the Black Power Ranger shows up, of course, and he's got his little, like, the device, his little, like, Megazord-type, you know, monster behind him, and that's fine. That's great. Look, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are very, very powerful characters. They know a lot of martial arts. They have kind of mystical powers, and they've got giant uh, robotic creatures to fight with them. Do you think, at the end of the day, Lord Snertz hasn't handled that every, like, Wednesday for the last 15 years? Lord Snurts! It has diplomatic immunity, first off, which means that you have to defeat Lord Snurts. You can't just arrest him. And you know those mighty Morphin Power Rangers don't like to kill if they don't have to. They like to take people in, right? I don't know if that's true. I'm just riffing right now and having fun with it. The answer is Lord Snurts and his entire army, his entire minion set, is going to curb stomp the Black Ranger and any of his friends he brings to the table. Of course, those people are not allowed. That's outside interference, but not for Lord Snurts, who commands an army and will destroy the Black Power Ranger. Also, your favorite is Tommy
2: the Green Power Ranger, so I don't even know what you're talking about right now. No, he's my favorite Green Power Ranger. Out of all the Green Power Rangers. Well, my favorite ultimate of all the Power Rangers is the original Black Power Ranger. That's, I mean, that's just... Pink Ranger for life. I
3: don't know what to tell you.
2: I mean, that's also a good choice. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Crystal, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory?
4: I have to say that I liked uh, point number two for Rick a lot better. What I would, what this is really going to come down to now is which one of you guys is going to tell me the better story of who can actually beat the other. Um, because for the last two points, you've really outlined these guys' abilities. Um, you know, y- you got to give comic wins, losses a grain of salt because comics be comic-ing. Um, But I do like how James has outlined all of Kang's tech. I liked your point number two, Ray, that I thought you really got a lot... You dug into the meat of how strong Rick is, and now he's not just a silly scientist with a portal gun. Now I think he's actually somebody who could fight Kang. So now I need to hear what these guys are actually going to do versus each other. How is Rick going to deal with Kang's armor and all his tech? How is Kang going to deal with the fact that, you know, Rick can just one-shot him, apparently? Um, So that's what I want to hear. I'm edging a little bit towards Kang, but right now it's a lot closer than it was. So now it's a matter of which one of you guys can tell me the better
2: story of who kills who. Interesting. Did I mention the checks in the mail? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. It could be a small mm-hmm. check or a big check. We'll see what happens. All mm-hmm. right, Ray. Let's see what you got. Hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Rick Sanchez.
3: We got a lot to talk about right here, so let's dive into it. First off, Kang has a code of honor. Now, he's trying to skirt that code of honor, sure, but at the end of the day, Kang is a conqueror. Kang wants to uh, go into a place and take over that place with his use of knowledge. He doesn't tend to go and just kill people when they're babies. He doesn't do the Terminator thing um, to go around it, because he has that personal honor. I'll tell you right now, Rick Rick Sanchez don't got that personal honor. Rick Sanchez wants to win and doesn't believe there's any rules about it because Rick is a pure nihilist who sees no meaning in any of the galaxy or in any of the universe. Uh, Didn't he say make your own meaning? I don't care if it's Szechuan sauce from McDonald's in the 90s. Just have something because it doesn't matter. Kang believes very very much in his own personal honor. And, and that's going to be a huge downfall to him because he could just, you know, go back in time and kill somebody. Great, 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 great grandfather, making sure they never existed. But you notice he never does that. Does he, he wants to beat people with their strengths. And if you're going to try to beat Rick Sanchez and his strengths, you're going to have a bad day. Also, Rick Sanchez can deactivate robots. He can handle any robots you throw at him. Lest we forget, he can deactivate robots quickly without even looking at them. At one point, a robot sort of fell into Morty's room, and he just turned without even looking, turned a screw on the head, and he just immediately knew how to turn that robot off, making it not a threat anymore. Rick has a remote control that can just pause people. (laughs) You talk about being a master of time. While Rick was talking to Beth in the car, he just hit a remote control button and paused her so he could talk to Jerry without her hearing. If you could just pause somebody, how could Kang possibly go through time to do anything if he's frozen in the one spot where he is? This is a guy in Rick Sanchez who's traveled to infinite multiverses. Some of them are future times. What exactly is Kang going to do to Rick that would surprise him? Because you got to take Rick off guard if you're going to have any chance at all, and nobody's pre-prepared more than Rick is. Kang doesn't have those types of abilities, so anytime he goes full force, full frontal at Rick, he's going to get curb stomped every single time. Are we forgetting that Rick has seeks boxes that may, with Mr. seeks in them? He could just open some of those and say, make Kang go away, and those seeks will absolutely make it happen. They cannot be stopped. And Rick has an army of drones at his disposal. He brought drones in to come into Morty's position and just hold him in place so he could take him away when he wanted to. Restraining drones, fantastic. And despite being 70 years old, Rick is fast, he's strong, he's agile. He can knock people out just by punching them. He can dodge bullets when he needs to, insane. And he could take a whole lot of damage. He got his arm bit off once by a creature and then immediately fell, fell to the ground from the tree he was in, kind of mad about it, plugged something in that created a robot arm in seconds. Rick has Toon Force, and Kang has no answer for that. Rick has taken damage that would bring down any normal person, but Rick knows that he's in a cartoon. Rick is a fourth wall breaker who will turn and talk directly to the audience. This is more than what Kang has. Did you know that Kang lost to Deadpool, who inserted himself into a previous battle, breaking the fourth wall, and took out Kang the Conqueror, I believe with his sword, pretty easily at that because he didn't know what to do when dealing with somebody who was breaking the fourth wall. On top of that, Rick Sanchez can make has robot clones of everyone and everything. He's got a million robot clones of himself just like Kang. So if Kang has an army of robots, Rick has an army of robots. Not a big deal. And the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that Rick is the smartest man in the entire universe. The history of all time. He's invented all these things in his sleep. He's able to create and craft plans like when he was stuck in VR and he fed a fake fuel recipe to the people who had him stuck in VR that ended up, they made it and it blew up their ship allowing him To escape, he can see through all plans. He's seen everything, done everything, and there's no way anybody gets uh, the jump on him because he's the smartest man in the universe. Kang is just a guy from the future who grabbed a bunch of tech like Booster Gold. He's not, I repeat, not even on Rick's level when it comes to genius. And Rick is going to be the better improviser in the moment of a who would win battle without that prior knowledge. I'm sorry, Kang has no chance, and that's my point
2: number three. Wow, so much desperation. Okay, where do I start with this? Kang has a code of honor, really? Like, we're talking about Kang, who's destroyed entire populations of planets without blinking if he felt they were standing in his way of conquest and what have you. He has missions. He loves conquering planets, but he loves absolutely wrecking his opponents. Remember, this guy's not just a genius in tech. He's a genius in strategies and in fighting and what have you. This is someone who can do it all when it comes to taking on an opponent. Look, Rick's time pause, that's really cool, but that that, that kind of stuff doesn't work on Kang. Remember, this is someone who's mastered and weaponized time itself. Other beings who are just time-based beings who have also weaponized time have tried the same thing on Kang to the count in time. It just doesn't work on him because Kang actually controls time itself. Really cool thing. Meeseeks coming in as an army. It takes time to multiply seeks Kang literally can summon an army of killers who take over planets or destroy them. Right away, the right is back in call. Rick does not have Tune Force. Look, does he maybe have some plot armor sometimes? Maybe, but he doesn't have Tune Force. You're, again, you're referencing uh, Deadpool from Deadpool. Kills the Marvel Universe, whatever that was. That's a completely different universe, different version of uh, Kang as well. And uh, finally, you know, Kang's created a lot of his own tech. Remember, this is this is, it was really cool when Dr. Doom was like, kind of thinking like, I really envy Kang's tech. Like he actually said that. Reed Richards is like, I wish I had that kind of tech. This is stuff he has created. Sure, he'll use whatever he has around him, whatever he gets his hands on, just like uh, Rick will. But he's created most of the stuff on his own because again, he's a super genius from the 40th century. Now, Let me get to my point number three. And for my point number three, let's talk about Rick's big weaknesses and Kang's greatest strength, which is gonna play a big factor in all this. So, some of Rick's uh, weaknesses he's an alcoholic, he's mentally unstable. Let's see. He's arrogant. He's like a race to cadence, if you will. He thinks he knows everything about almost anything, and the only time he realizes he doesn't is when it's pretty much too late and he's facing almost certain death. Rick gets himself into a lot of trouble a lot of time. Look, Rick's also a good fighter for a seven-year-old man, but he does get physically taken out by a few other people. Uh, One of my favorite episodes is when the president of the United States, who's also kind of a kick-ass middle-aged dude. Rick and actually knocked him to the ground, kind of took him out, and Rick was on the ground for that. That was pretty cool. But, you know, uh, the funny thing is, Rick also needs to be saved a lot. So Morty has to constantly come in for the save, especially when Rick's facing powerful opponents. When Rick was facing off against a giant version of Zeus and using all of his tech, making sure he was at his peak, Rick was actually getting beaten up very badly. He was on the verge of being killed, but was saved at the last minute by Morty and his sister when they accidentally flew a spaceship through Zeus's head good nice save that's cool rick was also captured and rendered uh into a mindless slave by a face hugger type of parasite which is interesting because how could that happen to rick if he has all this kind of cool tech luckily summer came in and kind of saved him as well i could go on, and go on and don't forget how the cybernetic phoenix person who's the upgraded version of bird person was about to kill rick but then rick was saved again by his uh, daughter beth that's also cool now on top of that rick dies a lot Like, a lot. Rick died five times in one episode. I believe it was the first episode of season four. And each time, he kind of resurrected, but it took him way more than the two minutes needed you know, to kind of be in the fight to come back. And you know who has a high kill count against Rick? You'll never guess, but it's Rick. That's right. Rick will off himself if he thinks that's a better solution than taking whatever it is in front of him, which is going to definitely be a certain possibility in this fight. And finally, Rick was saved from certain death. I'm so ashamed to even bring this up. Okay. He was saved from certain death by a musical-themed villain named Concerto. Concerto is a minor one time villain who only appeared in my favorite episode of Rick and Morty in the ending credits. It was Pickle Rick. Uh, he attempted to crush Rick and Morty with the hammers of a giant piano that were coming out and playing the notes. And how were Rick and Morty trapped? Was it in a force field, maybe a mystical artifact from another dimension, kind of keeping on no, 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 no. It was something evidently even more powerful than that. Rick and Morty were captured and were held completely useless, helpless as they were tied up by ropes not magical indestructible ropes oh no 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 just ropes and they were so helpless that rick turns his head to mori and says listen we're gonna die and you know we should you know we should just go ahead and accept death right because we don't have a choice to get out of these ropes that were tied up by and now we're lying down now luckily they were saved again at the time by a really cool character named jaguar but you know i just a weird question do you know who was never held helpless by ropes You'll never guess. Oh, that's right, Kang. He was never held helpless by ropes in a weird piano thing. Anyway, but the biggest weakness Rick has, it's against attacks when he calls the fourth dimension or fourth dimensional characters AKA time travelers. So, first of all, the creators of Rick and Morty have openly stated that Rick will not will, you know, time travel will not be an area for Rick to use. He's not gonna specialize in it. That's from the creators themselves. But even when Rick does try to use time travel on occasion, it typically backfires. Rick himself said that he considers fourth-dimensional beings, again, time travels, as immortals and pretty much unbeatable due to their mastery of time. Rick was clearly not sophisticated enough to figure out how to beat them, you know, when the cholingual pants, whatever that character was, I mentioned earlier, came in. And once you know it, time travel is what Kang does best. That's his biggest strength. As I mentioned, Kang has multiple time machines built into his armor and whatever vehicles he's using at the time. And he can call up and use any weapon from any timeline, from any dimension. Fun fact, Kang has a fail-safe time travel mechanism that in the event he dies... The mechanism sends him three seconds back in time where he's not just fully alive again, but fully aware of what just killed him and where he can use that experience and knowledge to make sure he doesn't die that way again. Pretty cool. His power of time is so strong, this super powerful group called the Timekeepers Keepers tried to use a time-based attack on, on Kang, the whole group, in order to kind of change him into a possible future version of himself called Immortus. So anyway, Kang uses power over time and his willpower and stopped the time attack from trying to transform him. Just willpower and his power over time, and he's like, nah, not gonna happen. He just does it, and it just, that attack didn't work at him whatsoever. Listen, whether it's diverging timelines, travels to the past or future, or something Rick won't and can't do, Kang has mastered time travels to the point where he can easily weaponize it. So, here's how this battle goes down. They face off. Rick makes fun of Kang's costume and helmet because they are kind of funny. Kang analyzes Rick and quickly sees the tech he has on him. Rick and Kang seem to tell at the same time, go on the attack. Rick is throwing everything he can at Kang, but Kang shields. And 40th century capabilities easily keep up with everything Rick can do. Thinking outside the box, Rick uses his portal gun to try to sneak up behind Kang. Kang smiles as he's impressed with Rick's crude ability to travel through dimensions and teleport. And Kang matches Rick move to move, teleporting to wherever Rick goes, whether it's a new location or another dimension. In fact, Kang fires his missiles that travel through dimensions to go after Rick and put him on the run. Rick admits that Kang is the best he's ever faced so far. Taking an object out of his lab coat, Rick launches it at Kang, who is then seemingly vaporized. Rick breathes a sigh of relief, only to see Kang reappear three seconds later with his own version of the weapon Rick used. Seems Kang's three-second auto-time traveler resurrected him, and he took an extra second to kind of make a better weapon that Rick even used. Look, just like in the first Doctor Strange movie, where Doctor Strange goes into a time loop to eventually defeat Dormammu, the same thing happens to Rick, who finally sees that... Every time he tries to kill Kang, he just comes back better and better every three seconds. That's one way he can win. Or maybe Kang sends him back in time or sends him back in time to another dimension or summons his army to come down and take him out. Whatever it is, whatever Rick can do, Kang can do way, way better, except for maybe being um, an alcoholic and bad parent. That's why Rick loses. That's why Kang wins. That's my point number three.
3: Oh, so much said, but literally nothing said at all. Here's the real thing. You really think that Ropes were really putting Rick down in that episode? Uh, are you kidding me right now? Rick would Rick would just put himself in a position to get out of it. And uh, I'm sorry, is not one of the criteria of winning a Who Would Win battle death? So if Rick Sanchez kills Kang the first time, that's a win on the Who Would Win show. Death, submission, or battlefield removal. If he kills him and he regenerates himself three seconds later... He's still been killed. It's not incapacitation for two minutes. When you kill them, and Rick will absolutely kill Kang. I'm going to have to talk to you about this right now because Kang's lost to a whole lot of people. There are giant lists, and all the times that Kang's been defeated. Who's Moon defeated him? Moon Knight. Moon Knight has defeated him with other Moon Knights from history teamed up together to defeat him. He's been beaten by the Inhumans. He's been beaten by Thor, okay, the Young Avengers, Fantastic Four. And when I said earlier Deadpool killed him with a sword, I got it wrong. He killed him by kicking him in the no-no danger zone. That's how Kang the Conqueror was defeated by the fourth wall breaking Deadpool. But you know who's really good against Kang? Vision. Vision knows everything about technology, much like Rick Sanchez, Vision stomps Kang when he gets him in a one-on-one environment, just like Rick Sanchez would, and I mouthed out the best part, Kang has been defeated by the crew of the Starship Enterprise. The crew of the, this is legitimate, the crew of the Starship Enterprise, teamed with the X-Men, and also defeated Kang at the end of the day, and I do love saying that. Kang is one of the most plot armor defeated characters in all of comic books. Lest we forget, Black Knight with a sword was able to kill Kang. Why? Because he wasn't part of the Avengers when Kang said I have defenses against all the Avengers. Black Knight joined later, then with a sword, because Kang couldn't see that coming somehow, was killed by it. And who has the most plot armor abilities? Rick Sanchez. So it's just going to come down to the fact that Kang loses due to plot armor a hundred times out of a hundred and Rick Sanchez wins through plot armor 100 times out of a hundred Rick Sanchez wins this battle. And I don't
2: even think it's going to last very long. Plot armor works both ways. All depends who's writing it, but it's now time to get to the decision. Listen, Chris, we've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to kind of make, you know, a judge's decision that is worthy of a judge of the year, such as yourself. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between rick sanchez and kang the conqueror
4: yeah yeah you guys are always fun uh great job to both of you guys uh i thought you did really well repping both characters i'm sure twitter will be happy with your performance this week look listen it's it's uh when, when you guys list off the wins and losses with these characters it's always hard for me to weigh that because they're always ridiculous it i mean it never fails it's always so i look more to the story that you guys tell me the abilities of these characters And I have to say that I agree that Kang and Rick were a great matchup. I think they are very much evenly matched. So here's where I'm at here with this decision. I think that both of these characters have a fair amount of plot armor. They have a fair amount of fun gadgets and spaceships and armies and this, that, and the other. But I liked hearing about how Rick is kind of crazy and an alcoholic and a little bit mentally unstable. And Kang is this guy that has literally conquered planets and, you know, whatever, time travel and this that and the other so i'm buying james's story more than i'm buying the story that you're giving me ray so i'm gonna have to give this one to kang
2: and there you have it you have no idea what kind of vindication what kind of elation what kind of feeling of joy i am going through right now thanks to crystal the storm judge of the year probably again for season five Crystal, I got to tell you, when the production team, you know, agreed and, you know, Ray was like, hey, let's bring in Rick. And, you know, who's a good opponent? We all talked about Kang. And I'm like, if anyone could absolutely throw a wrench into the logic of Kang the Conqueror, it would be Rick Sanchez. However, Mm -hmm. however, Mm -hmm. when I measured them up, there was only one area where I could say for sure Rick had a distinct advantage. And that was in the area of time travel. And the only reason he has that advantage is because Rick just hasn't done it yet. So I mm-hmm. love your decision. I love Rick Sanchez, the character. Kang is awesome. Couldn't be happier with everything you just laid down. Race to Stekanis, you fought valiantly. You brought up great points for Rick Sanchez. Tell the Legion of Audience how you're feeling right now.
3: I'm looking on Twitter as I think about this bizarre decision that was laid in front of us. I guess it's just... I guess it's just normal for somebody to win judge of the year, have it go to their heads and think they don't need to work for it anymore Mm -hmm. and just willy nilly Mm -hmm. pick James to win Mm -hmm. because they think it'll get them invited back on the show. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think of all judges. Crystal Storm should know better than that. Mm -hmm. But I'm Mm -hmm. looking at Twitter and I see hashtag Russia is collapsing. They must have heard this decision on the who would win show and the entire country is in revolt. That is outrageous. (laughs) After everything that I have just laid out to you, the people at home, and to our allegedly esteemed judge here in the studio. I cannot make it any clearer how Rick would win. Mm -hmm. I believe that 90 to 95 to 109% of the people listening Mm -hmm. to this show right now Mm -hmm. thought that I was winning after point one, after point two, Mm -hmm. and definitely after point number three. I wonder how many dollar bills must have been slid under certain doors last night for this decision to be made. Much like the end of the Super Bowl, I am
2: underwhelmed. (laughs) By the way, more importantly than that, what's also trending is hashtag Kevin Hart. Mm. Just thought I'd bring that up. I don't know why it's also up there uh, trending. Okay, listen. This was an amazing battle. My favorite comment from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram when we announced this battle was, we are starting strong. And this season is getting better and better, which is crazy because our show's been doing pretty well, thankfully, thanks to people like Crystal Storm, Race to I gotta admit it. And yet, here we are pushing the envelope and coming up with still really fresh, really great battles. I thoroughly enjoyed today's episode, especially because I won. Crystal Storm, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, you are a national treasure in many different nations because that's just Thank how you. great you are. I am. Thank you for being another great judge on the show. Please come back very soon and just bring your, 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 judge capabilities that are unparalleled back. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, where they can find you online.
4: Absolutely. Please go to talesoftheforgotten.com to check out all of our amazing audio dramas, and we'll let Ray come back and, uh, in one of them and play a character that whines and cries every time it loses. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, we've got shows coming out on Thursday, one on Tuesday, and if you want to tell me what an amazing job I did, you can find me on Twitter at writerstreamer. Love you, Legion of Audience.
2: Very cool. All right, race to Canis. another well-fought match. You, you <laughs> did great with Rick Sanchez, and, uh, you know, you're one-on-one. That's not a bad thing. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online.
3: I just don't know what more there is to say that I didn't say. A fourth-wall-breaking super-genius scientist against a guy, you know, who basically went to the future and grabbed some stuff and came back. Deadpool kicked him in the no-no danger
2: zone, breaking the fourth wall. Ray, I think you're a genius. <laughs> Do you know why I think you're a genius, by the way? Why's that? I, I think you came up with our, our new hashtag, hashtag no-no danger zone.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I've I mean, been I'm using that, that for years with that. Yeah. for
2: many different reasons. I think that might be something we put on a new T-shirt, just putting that out there. But please Probably continue, Ray. Other.
3: So if I may be allowed to continue, you can tell that James and Crystal had something cooking in the kitchen and it smells like garbage. Clean your disposal. Who would win boardroom? This is absolutely outrageous. Obviously, hashtag Ray was robbed. Ray is right. Rick Sanchez is the truth. Rick Sanchez is the way. And he would not even just win this fight. He would dominate this fight. I don't know what anybody on this show was doing today. And quite honestly, doesn't feel very good. You could find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We might just celebrate Victory Friday anyway. I know I earned it. I know I should have it. I know when James is starting to lose, like he's getting his butt handed to him here in season five by me on a weekly basis. Suddenly, the crystal storms of the world are called to make his world good again. I call cookies. foul, That's and I'm not energy. just talking about the chicken I ate for dinner tonight.
2: You know, I really appreciate, Ray, that you want to celebrate Victory Friday with, with me and the rest of the Legion of Audience. It's very nice of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of firsts happening uh, on the Who Would Win show this year. You're not getting Let's- the
4: cookies that we were making in the kitchen, though. That's it. You're not getting them.
2: I mean, they do smell like garbage, though. If I we mean, gotta, yeah, if you, that's true. Well,
4: that's Robert You know Robert what doesn't Clark go well with cookies, uh,
2: mm-hmm. Salmon? Now, you can mm-hmm. find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Kane, Sikhanis, Crystal Storm, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes.